NPR Workforce Studio. They can be trained to be able to be a cybersecurity apprentice and then make nearly $100,000 often in the first year of their employment. VR Workforce Studio. Podcasting the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation through the inspiring stories of people with disabilities who have gone to work. Working in a field that I understand. As well as the professionals who have helped them. A job and a career. You, you gotta look at how life-changing this is. And the businesses who have filled their talent pipelines with workers that happen to have disabilities. To help expand registered apprenticeship. These are their stories. Because there's such a great story to tell about people with disabilities. It- now, here are the hosts of the VR Workforce Studio, Rick Sizemore and Betsy Civilette. Well, Betsy, National Apprenticeship Week is November 14 to 20. Our entire show today is focused on apprenticeships, and our guests are going to destroy some of the myths about apprenticeship. And Rick, you know, there are so many misconceptions about apprenticeships, especially the industries that offer apprenticeships and the time it takes to complete a program. Really, there are so many possibilities that are endless. Exactly. Once you get into this a little bit, you realize that some apprenticeships can offer a really fast track to numerous high-paying careers. Absolutely. And David Leon from our Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services and Debbie Hopkins from Aption join us today with practical tips and resources for people with disabilities who want to get into an apprenticeship. In our Big Inspiration Showcase, we'll hear from a man whose life took an unanticipated turn in a parking lot of a truck stop when he blacked out and later woke up in the hospital with a disability that almost ended his life. And unfortunately, this incident also ended Chris's career as a truck driver, but Chris was so driven to succeed that he turned his life around by pursuing an apprenticeship program in IT that paved the way to his new career as a software programmer. So you could say he went from hard driving to hard drives. <laughs> to hard drives. Well, with that, we welcome Chris Wilson to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Rick. Well, well, Chris, your story of disability started in the parking lot of a truck stop when you blacked out. Take us back to the day that happened and give us an overview of that life-changing event for you. Sure. You know, uh, the funny thing about it, Rick, is is up to that point, you know, you have DOT physicals as a truck driver every you know year. And, you know, the doctor's always telling me, hey, you're healthy as a horse. You're healthy as a horse. You know, you're as a teenager, right? So I'm walking around thinking everything's good. That's good news, um, right? <laughs> yeah, well, at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, at the time, it was good news. And um, so anyway, I was on a, actually on a 36-hour reset, which is a break that truck drivers do after working. And I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm at the truck stop and, you know, I have to uh, make use of the restroom inside the truck stop. Well, unfortunately, I never made it into the truck stop. I made it to the um, uh, the repair bay before I actually blacked out. And then whenever I came to, you know, I found myself with a lot of people surrounding me. They had security there and such and had an ambulance and they loaded me on the ambulance and took me to the uh, emergency room. And when I got to the emergency room, I found out, you know, they're they're telling me, you know, your kidneys are shut down, your your livers fail, all your organs are, you know, basically failing. Um, we're going to give you some fluids and run some tests and see if we can figure out what's going on. Well, they took a um, chest X-ray, and um, what they found is I actually had a pulmonary embolus, embolus um, that caused the initial event. So the doctor shows me the X-ray. You know, it looks like 
a shotgun went off inside of my chest, basically wow. from where this uh, pulmonary embolus exploded. Um, it hit my heart and exploded, basically. Um, so, you know, he's telling me, well, you know, we're not 100% sure, but you have swollen lymph nodes and we think you have cancer. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got cancer now on top of this, right? Um, so I, I go home, of course. Um, you know, I quit driving trucks because obviously I'm not fit for, you know, to do that anymore. Um, get hooked up with my local doctors and, you know, they run these barrage of tests and tests and tests. And I go to this doctor and, you know, I think I, I was on about my seventh specialist and a year has passed in this time. Mm. And they're like, well, we can't find nothing. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're still going to assume it's cancer. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm not good with that. So I actually go down to the uh, Medical University of Charleston. Uh, anyway, they come back and they're like, oh, well, you, you have this disease called sarcoidosis. And, you know, during all of this time that I'm going through all of these crazy treatments and different medicine with different side effects and stuff is when I actually started my, I started my journey um, through IT probably about six months um, after I had my, uh, my initial disability. You know, I, I kind of hit a wall, right? Because I realized I can only go th- so far teaching myself. Mm-hmm. So once I hit that wall, I said, well, let me start looking through these boot camps because I knew I couldn't just go to a regular college because I couldn't sit in the class with other people because the way my immune system was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I went ended up going to a one-year boot camp for a full-stack developer. And then when I got finished with that, I was like, well, you know, let me look and see what other options are out there. And, and, you know, that's when I got hooked with the Franklin Apprenticeship Program and became an apprentice. And, you know, it all steamed, just kind of seemed like it just steamrolled from there, you know. That apprenticeship led you to a job at Black Knight Industries. Tell us what you do. Oh, oh, man. Uh, I love my job. I can tell you that for a fact. I'm uh, My official title, I guess you'd say, is a, a system software programmer. And uh, the basis of the sister so- system software program is, you know, you basically keep this massive mainframe running um, on a, uh, not a hardware, but a software level. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the stuff that I do is to actually uh, take the program. Uh, it's called JCL's job control language. And the, the whole of the mainframe runs on these JCL programs. And I take these programs and modify it. We, we modify it to get the, basically to get the machine to do what we want. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about this boot camp and how you found Franklin Apprenticeship. I realized I hit a stopping point after my disability where I could I felt like I couldn't train myself no more. So I needed outside help. I needed an instructor. I needed people that were going down the same path. I was like, well, a, a three-month, six-month boot camp is not going to do anything. It's not going to be able to give me what I consider a career because, you know, this I'm, I'm not looking for a job, right? I'm looking for a career. I'm Absolutely. looking for something I can retire out of. So I started looking at one-year boot camps, and it, it was something about Kinsey Academy is actually the one I ended up choosing, and it was something about their their marketing technique, and they promised to help you know you get a job afterwards, um, and to to give you the assistance you needed, you know, to really um, to really form a career. And and I was like, I'm sold, hook, line, sinker, let's make it happen. Great. Um, so how did you get an interest in IT? What led you to that? Uh, computers have always been a hobby of mine. Uh, back in, I probably worked on my first computer back in 97, actually. And in 2002, since I had, I, I ran a small business out of the house working on computers, I actually went and got an A plus certification so that way I could work on them and not uh, void the warranty on them, basically. 
That's what most companies require for you to work on the hardware. And over the years, even when I drove trucks, I would take a couple of laptops with me. You know, and nothing serious. Like I said, it was more of a hobby. You know, I would play on them. I would I would work on networking or, you know, just do some research and and such just to kill free time, basically. Um, excuse me. But well, that's wonderful how you were able to to take this hobby though and, and pursue a second career in IT. And it sounds like you're doing really well. Yeah, it's it's been a blessing, I'm gonna tell you, uh that for a fact. And I but I'm a, but I'm gonna be honest with you though, and, and I talk to a lot of people because I've led a uh, I would say I'm, I'm gonna take a wild guess. About 20 people through the Franklin program, I've helped mentor and and help you know bring them to the program to see if they were interested. Um, even though I do have prior experience with computers, the computing is different. So you know, a, a regular PC is not like the uh, mainframe. And a lot of times, you know, people's like, "Well, I have no computer experience." Yeah, but my that experience for your PC doesn't really transfer over to the the large enterprise systems and mainframes that's available in these companies. So I try to you know tell everybody that with with a little training and a little work anybody can do it, and and I and I truly believe that. Yeah. So you had a life changing event. You picked up a lot of different pieces. A lot of people helped you. You created a career path. But as a person with a disability. What would you have to say to others who may find themselves in a similar situation about having a disability and going into apprenticeship? A lot of people out there with disabilities are thinking about where they go from here and apprenticeship, vocational rehabilitation, internships, on-the-job experiences are really appealing to a lot of people. But is there anything about Mm -hmm. your disability and the experience you've gone through that you would want to share with people maybe in a similar circumstance? Um, yeah, just to be open and honest uh, yeah, candid about the whole situation. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's taking a lot of willpower, you know, it's taking a lot of work, but I will say in the end it's worth it because you, you really have to step back. Um, what I found is I had to, really uh, quell the voices of people that had brought negativity into my life at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I had a lot of, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I had a lot of people telling me, man, you're crazy. You're, you're working 16 hours a day disabled. Dude, just, you know, go be just, I, I guess in their head, you know, just go be the same. Yeah. Don't work this much. Don't, you know, don't put this effort, don't put this time in. But see, I've already had, I, in my head, I had a one year, two year, five year goal. And no one was going to stop me from meeting those goals. I can tell you that my, you know, my one year was to get through the boot camp. My two year was to start a career of some sort. You know, this is pre the apprenticeship, of course, and pre all this other stuff. And then my five year was to be sitting comfortably, not disabled in my career. Well, I feel like I've done that and succeeded more than my original intentions were. It seems because like you've realized a vision for yourself. And I a did. Career. I, I, I Yes, sir. I had I had to really step back, and 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 I, I'm gonna say that played a big part was the visualization, right? Mm-hmm. I had to every day I got up, you know, I had to tell myself, "Hey, you're a you're a, a front end developer. Go do front end developer stuff. Get up at seven in the morning. Go, you know, assist people to eight. Go to school from eight to six. At six, eat supper. You know, keep working programming until ten at night. Go to bed, rinse and repeat. Do it again." part of my disability actually affected some of my cognitive and language skills. Mm-hmm. So I was fighting that battle at that time also. Um, 
it, the learning, it, it took me three times as much to learn as what it seemed like it did everyone else. So that was part of my battle and my disability I had to deal with at the time. Well, it's an awesome story. Thank you, Chris, for sharing this story with us. Um, I have to say I'm very impressed with how driven you are that you had these plans before your disability, but to to actually exceed them with your disability is just is amazing. And um, my hat's off to you for and, and much success. Chris Wilson completed uh, an apprenticeship, works in the IT industry for Black Knight Industries. Thanks for being on our podcast today. Thanks, Rex. I appreciate it, too. And, and, and I appreciate you letting me share my story, too. are fortunate to welcome David Leon, the DARS Director of Workforce Programs, who is leading efforts to provide apprenticeship opportunities through the Pathways Grant here in Virginia. Welcome, David. Thank you, Betsy. And Debbie Hopkins with Aption. Debbie is a nationally recognized expert in apprenticeship and has helped establish an extraordinary array of apprenticeships all across the country and over the past decade in a variety of industry sectors, not the least of which was the Industrial Manufacturing Technician Apprenticeship at the Hershey Company. Welcome, Debbie. Uh, Thanks, Rick. So glad to be here. Well, David and Debbie, happy Apprenticeship Week. Woo-hoo! Yes. This has to be an important week that is near and dear to the work that you do in promoting apprenticeships. Yes, uh, absolutely. National Apprenticeship Week is a time when our our nation really focuses on apprenticeship with hundreds of events throughout the country uh, to try to showcase individuals, showcase programs, and really help to bring our country to a stronger um, uh, adoption of apprenticeship as as a very valid workforce training model. Yeah, David, with such an emphasis on apprenticeships as a route to the workforce, DARS is moving forward with a new Pathways grant. Give us the quick overview of what you're trying to accomplish through the grant. Thanks, Rick. First and foremost, our goal is to help 750 individuals enter into career pathways or advance in their career pathways with a focus on registered apprenticeship, state, local, and federal government, STEM and skilled trades. We hope within that, that our partnership with the Department of Labor and Industries Office of Registered Apprenticeship will lead to a significant increase in the number of our clients who think about and enter into registered apprenticeships through employer sponsors, through our state program, uh, intermediaries like Aption, and through the federal apprenticeship program. Uh, we have done a couple of unique things. We were able to get the buy-in from both our Department of Labor and Industry and our Department of Human Resources Management. Each of those agencies has a grant-funded VR liaison position to focus on increasing the opportunities for um, individuals with disabilities to enter into those two uh, types of work. In addition, we have what we have labeled a quick response counselor, and that individual is there to help folks who may have entered into registered apprenticeships and has a hidden disability or did not disclose and get to a point in their related technical instruction where they're having difficulty with an exam or some other issue. Our quick response counselor can come in, help 
identify potential accommodations um, and other supports so that the individual will be successfully able to pass any of the credentials or other exams related to their apprenticeship. Well, thank you, David. Um, Debbie, let's talk about some of the myths about apprenticeships. What are some of the assumptions people have about apprenticeships that are just not true? Thank you, Betsy. I'd actually say there, excuse me, there are probably three big myths. Um, The first one is that the employers must be sponsors themselves of apprenticeship to participate. And that is just absolutely not the case. A great number of employers, especially in the tech industry, have decided to group or find a group sponsor like um, the candidate that you just spoke of uh, or you're going to be speaking of today with Franklin Apprenticeship. There are group sponsors. The employer can work with them to get the talent that they need and they're supervising the on-the-job learning and then keeping them on as Uh, as uh, full-time employees. So that's one myth. The employer themselves do not have to be the sponsor in order to participate in an apprenticeship. The second one is that apprenticeships are only for construction trades. Now, while apprenticeships do have a very dynamic um, and very long history of success in construction, some uh, tremendous investments have been made in construction. They have great training centers. There are wonderful Uh, individual and joint programs in in construction, but it's not limited to that. Today's apprenticeships are in IT, financial services, healthcare, hospitality. The third one assumption that is not true is that apprenticeships take four years to complete. That notion was from the older construction trades, and yes, many of them do take four years, but IT apprenticeships are usually one year long. Financial services, they're usually one year long. So there are some short, very targeted programs and many other industries and with either directly with the employer or with a group training sponsor or education institution uh, where a program can be launched. Well, thank you, Debbie. Those are some really great points about um, the really the mindset of how about apprenticeships and and really the expansion of of all the fields that uh, are possible to do an apprenticeship. Yeah, we're we're really at that time. Uh, if you listen to this show, uh, you know that I have an eighteen year old daughter, Caitlin, and my wife, Kristen, and I. We spend a lot of time talking with her about where she's headed career-wise. So, Debbie, if I wanted to help Katie find an apprenticeship and figure all this out, what's the most important advice I could give her? Because trust me, I need it. <laughs> I need well, your help. Years, uh, it, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful age, and it's the time of exploring. It's the time of exploring all your options to see what's out there. And apprenticeship is certainly a very viable option. One way to take a look at that is to take assessments. And some of these apprenticeship group sponsors have their own assessments on their website that can kind of help you see: Do you have an interest or an aptitude? Many local workforce development boards have also have assessments to help figure out where your career might be and do they have apprenticeships that can relate to that. The um, One of the bigger sites is apprenticeship.gov. The uh, government has, has made a tremendous investment 
to these free resources just to help explore uh, from an from an individual standpoint as well as a, as a business standpoint, apprenticeship, where your interests might be, where there are job openings. Uh, on Virginia, per se, there also has um, uh, job postings. You can go look at the apprenticeship website, which happens to be in a Department of Labor and Industry in Virginia, and take a look at some of those jobs. How do they sound? and just start exploring. Another way is to really contact an intermediary um, like, like Aptown for a referral. It's great to check out your options. Uh, college is also uh, not a, an exclusive and or with apprenticeship. Many colleges today are developing apprenticeship programs that are two-year degree apprenticeships. And just this week, I met with a, uh, with a group who has a what we would call two plus two they have a two-year community college apprenticeship that can then go to a four-year BS degree. So it's not mutually exclusive. There's a lot of options out there, Rick, for your daughter. We want to help Katie and others find all this. So we're going to put together a resource list for the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. And I'm especially going to sit down and review all of this with Caitlin. But I'm not an expert in anything. <laughs> Never have been, except being a dad, because I've done that four times now. And I'm telling you, 18-year-olds face an entirely different landscape. In this day and time, they are into exploration, and they will change jobs every three weeks. So it's important to harness that that interest in all these other areas and get it connected to an assessment and get them on the path. Are you listening, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> on the path to a career track. And she's eager and she wants to learn. So I'm sorry to take up so much of our show, but I think her interest is so reflective of what you find in the potential workforce for tomorrow. So thank you. So if I'm a person with a disability, I'm getting very, very excited right now about being able to go to VR and then pursue apprenticeship through Voc Rehab We've provided some great resources. David, if I'm a counselor and I haven't done this before, who within your set of resources can help me as a counselor move all this forward? The best place to start would be our Dolly VR liaison and our Pathways team or the folks at WWRC if someone had gone through their programs. As Debbie mentioned, when we provide clients with skills and training, they often are the first steps in many of the uh, apprenticeable occupations within the state. I would start with where is somebody? What are they doing now? So that we have a pathway towards more employment opportunities that include registered apprenticeship. Resources are in place. If you're a person with a disability or your family member is has a disability and they want to get into the apprenticeship track, now is the time, right, David? I mean, now is the time. More than any other in our history, apprenticeships are on the rise and they've become the way forward. Absolutely. And just to share one other story, my daughter graduated from uh, college two years ago and ended up in an apprenticeship. She's doing great. She now has a, a company vehicle and um, makes more money at, at 24 than than I did at 35. Amazing. That's wonderful. Northern Virginia Community College, their Walmart asked uh, Northern Virginia Community College um, 
and and several um, uh, Genji Tech and other schools to come and and talk uh, talk with them, interview with them for um, for uh, IT cyber opportunities. And uh, the ones that they hired had not even finished a two year degree, and they started at ninety four thousand. Debbie, um, you touched on the myths about apprenticeships, but can you highlight some of the obstacles? that we still need to address to increase opportunities for our clients in apprenticeships? I still think that there is, um, uh, it's too pervasive of a myth in our country about apprenticeship not being in just about every occupation. So so number one, it is still uh, increasing the understanding that every industry can have uh, can have apprenticeship. As far as an as an obstacle, it's really just getting enough people in for these jobs. There is such an enormous uh, enormous opportunity for cybersecurity, and too many people, uh, whether they have a disability or not, too many people don't believe that they can be successful in these careers, and they can. There are pre apprenticeships that are connected to most of these apprenticeship programs. You can tell can go through some assessment. There's often not even any education, often not even an aptitude, just an interest in cybersecurity. And in a short time, they can be trained to be able to be a cybersecurity apprentice and then make nearly $100,000 often in the first year of their employment. Some of the best uh, uh, cyber Apprentices came, you know, came uh, right from high school or right from military, which you would kind of expect, or they messed around in other careers, never did find a fit. And all of a sudden they went through one of these, you know, went through one of these pre-apprenticeships and like Smoothstack, you know, they're one of our partners. Franklin, they're one of ours. New Apprenticeship is one of ours. We have a lot of partners. They all have good pre-apprenticeships and they start with that assessment you know, and, and just see what, where their interests are. And often that's all you need to build uh, to really build with a good training uh, and good support, good coaching, like David said, to really build expertise quickly. This has been a lively, entertaining, and informative conversation. I've enjoyed this so much. David Leon is the Director of Workforce Programs for the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. And Debbie Hopkins is a nationally recognized apprenticeship expert and the Director of Workforce Initiatives at Aption Incorporated. Thank you both for being on our show today. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks, Rick. So glad to be here. Well, it's time for our National Clearinghouse Report with the always entertaining and informative Heather Service. Hey, Heather. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be back. Launch party for the Clearinghouse. How did that go? been a big month. We had a very, very successful launch, and we are so happy that we have the new system implemented. If you missed our YouTube premiere launch party, we invite you to check out a recording of the event. The recorded party includes remarks from RSA leadership, a tour of the new website, and exciting details about the future of the NCRTM. The link for that premiere party video will be in the show notes. We also have a short video overview of how to use the new system. So please, we we ask you to check those out on the website. Please note that both recordings include captions and ASL interpreting. Well, well, I'm a huge fan of the Clearinghouse and talk with lots of people who use the Clearinghouse regularly. They love these changes. Hats off to you and the team at RSA and at New Editions for all the great work you're doing. But we're celebrating National Apprenticeship Week. We are excited to celebrate National Apprenticeship Week as well. 
I have two resources that I want to share with you all about apprenticeships. The first is the newest NCRTM curated list on inclusive apprenticeships. We just released this curated list last month, and it includes 19 resources from various sources, including RSATA centers and federal partners, that puts all of these inclusive apprenticeship resources right at your fingertips. So whether you're an individual with a disability, a VR professional, an employer, um, there's plenty of information right there on that one list to get you started to learn about apprenticeships. The second resource I want to share with you is a new on-demand training that was released from VR Tech QE, and it's called Youth Apprenticeships and Rehabilitation Counseling, Engaging Students and Youth with Disabilities to Initiate a Career Path. This on-demand training explores how youth apprenticeships can be used by VR practitioners in the process and how they interact with pre-employment transition services and school-to-work transition programs. So this is really great if you want to dig into how those youth apprenticeships connect to career pathways, the workforce development, and to show off some of that WIA collaboration that's happening between multiple stakeholders. Um, and just as if that wasn't incentive enough, there is one CRC credit offered upon completion for attending this webinar. And of course, you can always find the links that are provided on this podcast in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Rick. Well, thank you for getting involved in today's show. If you or someone you know has a disability, and wants to get into the workforce, vocational rehabilitation may just be the answer to kickstart your career. Visit us at vrworkforcestudio.com to find links and resources, as well as our contact information. On behalf of my co-host, Betsy Civilette, I'm Rick Sizemore, inviting you to join us as we podcast the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation. The VR Workforce Studio podcast is owned and operated by Vocational Rehabilitation's Partners in Podcasting. Audio content for the podcast is provided to VR Partners in Podcasting by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services in exchange for promotional considerations.